Well, we're going to start out in a couple of different scriptures. So if you want to find Psalms 103 and Lamentations 3. If you uh, don't have a Bible with you, we'd like for you to have one. You can borrow one of ours. It's always better when you get to feast your eyes on it, right? I can tell you about steaks all day long, but it isn't going to satisfy your hunger. But if you'll get the Word in you, it'll take good care of you. Ushers will have Bibles. If you need something else, just holler at one of them. They'll do what they can to help you. Glory, glory, glory. Psalms 103. We're going to start with verse 1. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Verse 8, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, plenteous. In mercy. Glory to God. He's plenteous in mercy. You see, I don't know if any of you guys have, but I've messed up a couple of times. And I'm sure that's not you, so just look straight ahead and we'll get along real good. But I've messed up a few times, more than I would care to talk about. And His mercy has always been right there. Every time I mess up, every time something I do something, the enemy comes at me and tells me how bad I am. They, he comes at me and he tells me, oh, you're not worthy. You're not, you're not righteous. You're not good enough. But you know, God's always right there. And he picks me back up and he lifts me back up and he helps me get back on my feet. He helps me realize who I am and what I, am, I have authority over. Where I stand. So you see, that's the mercy of God. There's times we don't deserve it, so we ask for mercy. And I don't know about you, but I've been there quite a bit. Go on over to Lamentations, chapter 3. We're going to look at this in the Living Bible. Verse 21 If you uh, know much about Lamentations, it's Jeremiah. And uh, he's talking about Jerusalem and all of the problems they had. And he's complaining all the way through about how this happened and how that happened and how, oh, kind of a woe is me a lot of the way through. And he's, he's just constantly on that. And he's talking about it. And then you get to verse 21, and I like it, because all of a sudden, after all of that of, woe is me, this happened, and this happened, and this happened, on verse 21 in chapter 3, he says, Yet there is one ray of hope. His compassion never ends. It is only the Lord's mercies that have kept us from complete destruction. Great is His faithfulness. His loving kindness begins afresh each day. Glory to God. <laughs> I like that part because uh, I wonder sometimes if we don't use up all we had yesterday. So it's good that we got a new batch. <laughs> the living, the new living, 
says, The love of God never ends. His mercies never cease. And then the... uh, Oh, the New Century Version. It says, The Lord's love never ends. His mercies never stop. They are new every morning. Glory to God. Well, that's kind of what we want to talk about. I want to talk about how much He loves us. You know, it doesn't matter what you've done in the past. It's all about what you're doing right now. It doesn't matter what your life was like yesterday or 20 years ago. The only thing that matters is what are you doing for him right now? Are you willing to give up everything for him? Are you willing to say, yes, Lord, whatever you say? The moment you turn your life over to him, everything in your life's going to change. He wants you victorious. He wants everybody in your neighborhood to go, wow, I didn't know Christians could live that good. I didn't know a Christian could have a house that look like that. I didn't know a Christian could pay off everything they own and be debt free. I didn't know that was possible. You see, that's what God wants. He wants you victorious in every part of your life. Well, everybody's messed up. Y'all know the story of King David? He was a great man. The Bible says that he was a man after God's own heart. And so when Saul was the king and Saul messed up, he got away from God. He sent Samuel and Samuel said, you've messed up. I'm going to take your kingdom away. I'm going to find a man that's after my own heart. Somebody I can trust, somebody I can look to. And so he found David and he sent Samuel out and he anointed him as king years before he took over. And when Samuel came out and talked to David, something happened in Saul, and it really changed him even worse. And so Saul didn't repent. Saul didn't try to get back into the grace of God like David did later. And you see, with Samuel, he came in and he told the word boldly. You see, sometimes we don't always do that. Sometimes we kind of hedge around the point But Samuel didn't. He was bold to the king, this man who could put him to death immediately. But Samuel stood there and he told him and he delivered the word of the Lord to him. And so David comes up and he's a righteous king, does many great works. We were talking about the manly men. Well, David had some mighty men. Those men were phenomenal. One of them took on 800 people. And walked away. Another one, 300, and walked away. And when the Philistines were camped out in Bethlehem, David said, Oh, if I could just have a drink of water from that well. Man, I'd really like to have one of those. Well, three of his mighty men went in, went through the Philistine army. And I don't know if you can picture this, but in my mind, I see the well. And I see two of them fighting them off. And one guy drawing the water. And they get him a cup of water from that well. And they bring it back to David. And you know, David is so moved and so touched because of their love. 
because they were willing to give their life to just try to get a drink of water for him. That he said, I can't drink it. I got to give it to God. And so he poured it out. Well, see, David had the love of these men because he was a valiant man. He was an excellent leader. He was a godly man, and so everybody followed him. But you know, one day he laid behind, and he got caught up on the rooftop, and he saw somebody, and he messed up. He called, asked about her, called her into the house. The Bible says he lay with her, and then he sent her home. Well, we all know the story about it. But you know, if you'll go on over into Psalms, Psalms 51. We know the story. We know he messed up. Had Bathsheba's husband killed because he was an honorable man and wouldn't even go and spend time with his wife when King David brought him back to town because the Ark of the Covenant was in a tent and his men were laying in a field. And so he was honorable and he said, I can't go and enjoy my wife while all of this is going on. So he laid at the steps of David's house. And so David had him killed. And then the word of the Lord came to David and said, you've done all of this. Well, David immediately in Psalms 51, verse 1 he prays to God and he says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judge. You see, David repented, and he came back to God. Peter is another person in the Bible. Strong man of God. Followed Jesus around, got to see some awesome things that Jesus did. Was right there with him when everything happened. Wouldn't you like to have seen some of that? Neat stuff. I can, whenever I read it, I don't know if any of the rest of you work that way, but when I read something, it's like I got a little movie playing in my head. And I can see it all happening. And I can see him, um, when Jesus told Peter, you know, you're going to deny me. And it says Peter was around this little fire. Well, I worked construction a long time and we had a burn barrel. And so whenever, whenever I hear that, I see that picture in my mind of all of these people standing around the burn barrel outside the job site. And they're talking. And it, most of it doesn't add up to anything, you know, it's just the truth. So they're just kind of chatting around there. And one of them looks at him and says, hey, I think I saw you with him. And he starts to curse and he says, no, no, I'm not one of them. You see, he faltered because of the people around him. He let go of everything that he stood for at that moment in time because fear came on him. And he did some stuff that he would never do. But at that moment, he faltered. 
Shortly thereafter, the rooster crowed. And he realized he'd really messed up. Well, if you go on down into Acts, we're going to go to Acts chapter 2. All of you know these stories, but I'm going to tie them together here in just a second. Acts chapter 2 and verse 14. This is the same man that just a few days before was cowering, saying, oh no, I don't know him, and denying Jesus, the Son of God. This same man, a few days later, gets filled with the Holy Ghost and boldness. And he steps up and, he's, and it says, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto, the men, unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunk, as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. You see, he went from cowering to proclaiming. And he stepped out. Because when the Holy Ghost came upon him, he had a boldness and a knowing. See, he already had the knowledge. He had been with Jesus. He knew what he was entitled to. He knew what Jesus had done. He had got to see the lame walk and the blind see. He had got to be there when all of these miracles came out. When Jesus spoke and thousands of people came to know Him as their Lord and Savior. He was there whenever they fed 5,000 people with just a, a kid's lunch. He was with them through all of this stuff, so He had it in Him. But the moment the boldness came upon Him, He stepped up. And He said loud enough that everybody around about could hear. You see, He was done running. He knew who He was. Praise the Lord, that's us. (laughs) Well, the reason I ran through those is sometimes the devil gets us to where we think we're the only one that messed up. Sometimes he gets us to where, well, you're the only one that's ever said anything like that. You're the only one that's ever done that. And you don't deserve to have what God wants for you. You don't deserve to come to the throne of God boldly. You see... The enemy wants you to to back up and go, oh, but please, and become a beggar. He doesn't want you to know that you have rights. He doesn't want you to know that you are a child of the Most High God. And that when you speak, demons tremble. When you speak, things that weren't there a minute ago can be there the next second. Because there is authority because you are a child of God. And the reason we're going through this is I wanted to show you that some of these people in the Bible, they messed up. Because the enemy doesn't come to you and say, oh, you messed up. But you know, David messed up, but he was still a righteous king. He was a great king. And he raised enough money to build a temple because he was such a great king. And you see, the enemy doesn't tell you all the good things. He just wants you to beat your head over your head with a hammer And if you don't do it hard enough, he'll give you a bigger one. And if you'll take the next one, he'll give you a bigger one. And then if you'll let him, he'll hold it for you. You see, you're not the only one that's ever done that. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
over and over, it says that. I printed out a few, but we won't go into them. You're not the only one that sinned. But the best part about it is once you realize you sinned, you realize you need a Savior. Because until you realize there's something wrong in your life, you don't realize you need a Savior. You need a help. Somebody to help you. A person to carry you along. And until that happens, you don't understand it. So once you realize it, my, one of my favorite scriptures is 1 John 1.9. All of you probably can quote it. But the reason I like it is because what it ends up with. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The reason that's so significant is as I grew up, I didn't realize I was righteous. I was saved when I was seven years old. I don't ever remember being out of church. My whole childhood, I don't ever remember a, a Sunday that we weren't in service, a Wednesday we weren't in service, a revival we weren't in service. I don't remember that. But I wasn't taught that I was righteous. I confessed my sin to an all-knowing, all-loving God. And He cleansed me the moment I did it from all unrighteousness. And at that moment, I am righteous. I can stand before the Father in right standing. I can step in, not of myself, but because Christ paid the price, I can step in and be in right standing with God. And I can have boldness. And so the reason I I'm keep going over this is so many of us have been there. As I look out across everybody, I see people that have been there. I see people that, that are touched because you are righteous. And we don't hear it every day. We don't tell people that like we ought to. All of our saved friends and family, we need to treat them and talk to them like they are the righteousness of God. Because they are. And so whenever we approach it, we need to let other people know, don't let that happen. Don't let him talk to you that way. The enemy is defeated. Don't let him get you down. You are the righteousness of God. You are above only. You will never be defeated because Jesus and God always cause you to triumph. No matter what the situation is, God is right there. And because you are righteous, he steps in for you and says he's mine. And everything I have will back him up. And it doesn't matter what the enemy throws at you. Jesus will step in and say, that's my brother. He's mine. I paid it and it's over. He is righteous. And so if you walk out of here with nothing else, I want you to walk out knowing I am the righteousness of God. And I can do what the Bible says I can do. Go to James chapter 5. When I was growing up, I used to read this scripture and it kind of baffled me. Because like I said, I didn't really realize that I was righteous. And so this was almost a fairy tale for me. 
Because I knew that righteous meant blameless, sinless. And I knew I wasn't that. James chapter 5 verse 16 says, Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You see, when I would read that, it was like a pipe dream because I knew I'd already messed up. And I knew I wasn't righteous of my own accord. And so I would read it and go, boy, I could be healed if I could just find somebody that was righteous. If I could just get a hold of somebody that could pray that was righteous, that was in right standing. When I grew up, we didn't, we didn't see a lot of people laid hands on for healing. It just wasn't what was taught. And so I didn't know much about it. So whenever I would read it, I would think, man, we just need some righteous people. If we could just find a couple of righteous people, just one or two, all of this stuff would happen. But you are. And it took me a long time to realize I am too. And the enemy, he's going to keep telling you you're not. And as long as you'll receive a little bit of it, it's just going to keep coming. Because he's going to keep trying to keep you down. Because the moment you realize who you are, everybody around you, their life will change. Everywhere you go, people's lives, just like Peter when he walked down the sidewalk and his shadow touched people. And they were raised up and healed. You are righteous the same as Peter. You have the same God Peter had. You have the same Holy Ghost Peter had. Don't let him tell you that's not possible in your life. Don't let him try to convince you that you're a sub-level Christian. Because you're not. Everything in heaven will back you up. Every time you speak words, as Dan was talking about, every word you speak, you're going to take claim to. But every word you speak that lines up with this word of God, the angels in heaven will come to your aid. Ministering spirits will line up to help you. And God will be bound by His Word. And His Son Jesus, who's seated at His right hand right now, will step up and say, no, this is our Word. You know, He's your advocate, right? He wants you victorious. And He's going to stand there, and He's going to stand in the gap for you, just like your attorney. And every time you say something that lines up with that Bible, He's going to step in and He goes, we got to do it. It's the Word. And as long as he's speaking it, we're going to honor it. You see, he wants you to have everything. He wants you to have more than you could ever hope for. Exceedingly, abundantly, above all you could ever ask or think or hope for. That's what he wants for you. So whenever you wrote out your vision list a few weeks ago, God wants way more than you could ever write on it. I don't care how big you dreamed in your mind. God's going, that'll start. (laughs) We'll let them grow a little. We'll get some good stuff on there before long. 
just the beginning. You see, he's got to get your mind to open up to receive it before he can get you there. And the moment you step up and you go, yeah, Rolexes are nice. Everybody ought to have a Rolex. At that point, that can happen in your life. But if you sit around and go, no, that's too much money. It's a waste. Nobody ought to have one of those. You just close that door. And even if God had 30 of them stacked up on a conveyor belt headed to your house, they had to shut it off. Because you just said, I can't have it. I can't receive it, and I won't. So watch our mouths. Glory to God. Go to John chapter 3. While you're on the way there, I'm going to read Romans 10.10. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Confession's a big deal. We're not taught that. You know, we're taught that it really doesn't matter. You know, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me. No more false words have ever been spoken. If they beat you to where every bone in your body should be broke, but you, your words don't falter from the Word of God, they can't be. It's impossible. Because Jesus made a way that not even one of your bones could be broken. So it really doesn't matter. So if you line your words up, sticks and stones can't hurt you. You see, any weapon formed against you can't prosper because you're a child of God. Glory to God. John chapter 3, verse 17. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. I want to look at that for just a second because... If you go on to uh, Romans 8, 1, you don't have to turn there. They'll put it up for us. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. You see, Jesus didn't come to condemn you. That's why the woman, the adulterous woman, caught in the very act, she came and they asked him to condemn her. But see, he was already bound by a covenant. He couldn't condemn her. Now, judgment can be passed on her, but Jesus didn't condemn her. Because that's not what he sent his son for. And so he stooped on the ground and he wrote. And he told them, if you're without sin, you throw the first stone. That sunk into him, and before long they all drifted away. And he said, woman, where are thou, your accusers? Have they not condemned you? And she said, no. He said, well, neither can I. You see, that's not what he came for. Anytime you feel condemnation coming your way, you need to realize it's the enemy. He's trying to build it up in your life every day. But don't let him. Jesus said, The thief cometh not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. 
But I have come that you would have life and have it more abundant. Or life to the full, nothing missing, nothing wanted, nothing broken. That's what he came for. That word save in John 3.17, it's the Greek word sozo. And I never realized it for a long time. But you know, whenever we have a service and we have people come forward to receive salvation, if 10 people were to walk up here to get saved, whenever you walked out and somebody said, how was the service? You'd have said, we had 10 people saved today. But if we had a healing line and 10 people came up, most of the Christians in this world today would walk out and say, yeah, 10 people came forward. We're believing some of them got healed. Because it's the way we're taught. Well, I want to read to you what that word sozo means. Because John 3.17 says, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. That word is sozo. And it means, first of all, if you look it up, to heal. Preserve. To save. To do well, to be whole, or to make whole. So when you look at salvation from that standpoint, you see, when you came up to get saved, everything in your life should have lined up with the Word of God. If anything wasn't whole in your body, that word sozo means it would be made whole. You wouldn't miss it anymore. If your leg was broken and you came up to get salvation, that bone would have to mend because God is bound by His Word and you would have to be made whole the minute you received your salvation and you got saved. If you had bronchitis or the flu and you came up and you got saved, your body would have to heal because the Word of God says so. And I don't know if you're familiar with it, But when you go to the doctor, you receive facts. There's a lot of facts in this world. They tell you we can't do this and this can't work and that can't happen. When they hold up a slide and it shows a broken bone or it shows a cancerous mass, those are facts. Jesus came with the truth. And every time you introduce the truth to a fact, the fact has to change. Because the truth, the Word of God is true. The Bible says, let the Word be true and every man a liar. It's the same with the film from your doctor. I love the doctors. I am so glad for them. But there is one physician. Kind of like there's one source and many channels. There's one physician, but there's many people that help. So if we understand sozo... Whenever we came up to get saved, everything in our life should have came into into focus with the Word of God. And if your back wasn't lined up or you had a headache when you got saved, all of that should have lined up with the Word. The trouble and the reason that that doesn't always happen is we have been told, you know, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word. It works the same negative as positive. 
<laughs> Sidebar, if you're believing for healing and you're watching 30 hours of TV and one hour of ministry, you're upside down. You're receiving a whole lot of other stuff besides what you're needing. Okay? It's not God's fault. God wants us all to be whole. He wants us to take it all in. And He paid it. And He loves you so much that He made it and set it up to where just the moment you don't have to do anything. You see, like when Jesus called His disciples, He said, come, follow me. That was their job. He didn't say, come follow me, I'll get you some books, we'll stop by the library. You can learn about this, and if you'd write a thesis on it, then you come back in three years, I'll be able to use you. He said, come, follow me. That was the only job he gave us. He said, I will make you a fisher of men. My job is to do that part. Your job is to be available, to come, just like in salvation. You come forward, I'm going to save you, heal you, deliver you, set you free, and set you apart all at the same time. Everything in your life's going to change because everything you lay your hand to, the moment you receive salvation, you're prosperous. And everything that, I mean, I don't care if your books are in the red and have been for years. The moment you give your life over to God, He made you whole. Body, mind, soul, business, everything about you. He made you whole. And so it could have been read for years. But at the moment God takes over your life, everything comes up. And He makes it whole. He makes you the person that He wants you to be. Glory to God. Go to Psalms 107. Psalms 107, verse 20. Glory to God. <laughs> I tell everybody in healing school, this is my verse. Because it says, He sent His word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. You see, I don't know about any of you, as I said at the beginning, I've messed up a few times. But not once did God pick me up and set me in a mess. I walked into it free and willing and bailed into it. So this scripture has helped me over and over and over. Because not only did He send His Word and He healed us, but He said He'd deliver us even from our own destruction. Just like the children of Israel, they got into all of this stuff. And they would whine and fuss and gripe. And then, oh Lord, come help us. You know, every time he did. Every time they called upon him, he heard their cry. He's going to hear you today. If there's anything in your life that you messed up, I want you to get a hold of this scripture. If you need healing, I want you to get a hold of this scripture. If something in your life's just not going right, get this scripture. Because I'll promise you, God didn't make a mistake. And so, He delivers us out of our own destruction. And He has done that for me over and over. And I'm believing that maybe I'll not have to make Him do that as often. <laughs> Glory to God. Go to John chapter 1. 
Miss Phyllis put a lot of words in you uh, last weekend, and we're going to do about the same thing. <laughs> Glory to God. See, there's no harmful side effects with this. We can pour this in you all day and all night. You don't get sick. You see, no side effects. <laughs> John chapter 1, verse 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And I don't know if you realize how awesome that is. How many of you have known of a family that had a lot of money? Their kids really didn't do a whole lot, but they kind of grew up in it. And because their family had all of this money, everybody around them just thought, well, they've, they've got it made. You know, they didn't have to do a whole lot. They just came up with money, got everything. They want a new car, they go buy it. They want this, they go get it. If they want this, their dad makes a way for it to happen. That's exactly what this says. If you'll believe on Him, He gives you the power to become a son of God. And I don't know if you've realized it, but He's got some stuff. He's not pole. He doesn't have to worry about all of that other stuff. He's got stuff. And whenever you think you got the very best, he walks you over to the next cover and goes, look at this. This one's better. And I don't care how long you're with him, there's still going to be another cupboard. There's still going to be another garage, another storage shed where he opens it up and you just go, wow, you're good. You see, that's what he does. That's who he is. And he loves you because he gave you the power to be his son. All you got to do is believe in Him and become a son of God. Glory. 1 John 4.17, you don't have to turn there, we'll let them put it up, or you can if you want. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we in this world. I got a little more revelation on that the other day, and I just thought it was cool. You guys probably already know it, but I'm going to throw it at you anyway. Um, like I said, I, I didn't grow up in faith movement. It was about 2000 before I knew anything about faith. I, I knew about salvation. We'd seen a lot of people saved and started seeing people healed, and I didn't know much about it. So I started reading about it, and I started studying on it, and I thought that is the neatest stuff. Because I'd always been taught something different. You know, that maybe he will, maybe he won't. You know, he's sovereign, he does what he wants. And I was taught this stuff, and it, not that it was bad, it was the best we knew. And God honored us. And, and we would pray for people. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Why are we here? Um... You ever, you ever just felt really ignorant about a subject and then God tells you to tell everybody? Well, that's where I'm at. Because I didn't know anything about healing. And they brought a baby to us in one service and said, we want you to pray for him. We'd sang a song called, Jesus, My Healer. I didn't know anything about it. 
So they bring this little baby. He's 18 months old, had had 12 brain surgeries. They come up to us and said, we want you to pray for him for healing. We didn't know anything about it. So we laid hands on this little baby and he said, Lord, if it's your will, heal him. Lord, if you see fit, if there's any way, because we didn't know. You know, God healed that little boy in spite of us. We kept track of him for about four years and he'd never been back. It wasn't because we knew something. (laughs) Dan's laughing at me because uh, I worked with him for a while and we were getting to see a lot of people healed. And then I would work right with him. And he's like, brother, you give me hope. Because I see you day in and day out and I know the way you're living. And if God's using you, I got hope. You see, he loves us so much in spite of ourselves. In spite of the words we throw out of our mouth. He's right there just to catch the good ones. You know, it's like a little child whenever they're coloring a picture. They may mess up on a hundred of them. But every time, oh, that's good. It's getting better. That's good. You're waiting for one time they get it right. You're not looking at all the times they get it wrong. You see, that's the love of God. He wants to see you victorious. He wants you to see, to see you over the top. And every time you step up and you try it, He's right there to catch you and go, that was really good, I got you. It's okay, we're going to do better next time. Amen. And you see, that's what He did with us. We didn't understand that it, was, that it was the will of God for every person to be healed. I hadn't been taught that. And so we prayed... <laughs> Sadly enough, for years that way. (laughs) Don't you just like that? Thank you, Lord. (laughs) So for years, we would travel, and I'm sure some of the people, bless their hearts, that were in services were like, how in the world is that coming about? Because we laid laid hands on people, and and God healed them over and over. And we were praying, Lord, if it's your will. Oh, Lord, Lord, if it's your... And, you know... We thought maybe if we were a little louder, maybe he he was busy on something, I guess. Because, you know, Jesus, he said, shut up, come out. It looks like after I read that a few times, I would have got that in my head. But no, I didn't. It took me a while. And so over and over, we're praying and we're pleading with God. But, you know, we were his kids. We were righteous even if we didn't realize it. And so... Jesus stepped in on our behalf and he said, Dad, I know they're ignorant, but their heart's right and they're still righteous. If we can get one or two good words to come out of their mouth, we can heal these people. And you see that that's just the way God is. (laughs) He's just waiting there, waiting for you to get a couple of good lines in so he can change your whole life and make it line up with what He's got designed for you. (laughs) Praise the Lord. I'm glad you got to enjoy that. Um, (laughs) Let's go on over to John chapter 14. (laughs) As Miss Phyllis says in youth and other times, if it'll help somebody, I'll tell it. Well, praise the Lord. I'm hoping somebody got helped with that because... 
you know, whenever you do something and you just really feel like you're a fool or an ignorant with it, it's not something you just want put out over the internet. It's just, it's humorous. I'm sure God's up there chuckling right now. Praise the Lord. John chapter 14. This is Jesus talking. And he says on, in verse 12, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name... That will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Well, that ought to be strong enough, hadn't it? I grew up a little different than that. And you know, you kind of ask, and if he sees fit, and if it's his will, it'll come about. And so I grew up thinking this was plead and beg. And so one day I looked it up. And I was disheartened because I looked it up and the Greek word is a hito. And when you first look it up, it says to ask or beg, call for, crave, desire, require. Well, I grew up thinking we were supposed to ask and beg. Lord, we really need this. Could you please? Lord, please. And so that's the way I grew up. You know, he, he took care of our needs. Our family was well taken care of. As far as everything we knew to believe for, any need we knew it would be supplied. Never went without stuff because some way he would always supply it, even though our words didn't always line up. And so the first time I looked that up, I thought, well, there it is. We're back to asking and begging. But if you'll look a little farther, there's another one. It's 4441. I like this meaning. It says, is strictly a demand for something due. Now see, I can hook with that. Because now we went from, oh, could you please, to this is mine, I'm taking it. And don't look at me funny. I'm not telling God I'm going to do this. He's already gave me the right. He paid for it. He made it available. The enemy took it. And now it's owed me. So now all I got to do is walk over and say, I realize something. You've got something that's mine. And right now I'm going to take it. Have fun. And you get it because it's owed you. It's something already bought, already paid for. The price has been taken care of. You just walk out and you ask for it. If I loan somebody something and they want to borrow it for a little bit, I don't have to grovel with them to get it back. Because it was already mine. I don't have to plead and beg and, and, and whine about it. I just call them and say, hey, are you done with that? I'm going to need it. And you get it back. That's exactly what this says. And it says it about anything. Anything. Your vision list doesn't matter. Get a hold of this word. 
Because Jesus, it's red letter, right? We're, we're, we studied that a little bit. It trumps everything. So when Jesus says, And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do. He didn't say, I'll think about it, or I'll ponder it, or if it comes available. He said, whatever you ask, I'm your brother. I paid the way. If you'll just ask, I'll make sure you get it. And I'll get it to you right now. No shipping and handling. You see, it's a demand. Sorry, excuse me. It's a demand. We need to know that that's ours. We need to know that greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. (laughs) And he does that because he loves you. He does it because everything you stand in need of is a one word away. If you'll ask, he'll give it to you. We make it so hard. We make it difficult. We, we, <laughs> I can't speak all those words Jesse does, but we make it hard, and you've got to have three degrees and 14 letters after your name to make this come out to where it doesn't work on your behalf. You see, it's really simple. If you tell my little son, go get that, it's yours, you better want him to have it. This is what Jesus just did. He said, I paid for all of it. Health, prosperity, houses, buildings, lands, friends, family, everything. I paid for it. It's yours. Get it. It's like walking into the buffet, paying for it, and walking down going, Oh, I don't know if I can have that. Boy, that looks good. I wonder if that's there. I wonder if it's paid for. I bet I can't eat that. And walking all the way around the buffet and coming back with nothing because you didn't know if you were entitled to it. It's the same thing with God. Everything on the smorgasbord is paid for. You just walked into a restaurant and the tab was open. And it doesn't matter what's on the menu, it's been paid for. And it's the best. And it's yours. <laughs> I'm getting some looks. It's kind of cool. It makes you wonder about, you know, when Brother Moore's like, man. <laughs> Glory to God. Go to 1 Corinthians. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You look at some of them, and I don't know that they are hooked with that. I don't know that they can believe that they can get absolutely everything, but I want to tell you, childlike faith, just like my son would walk up and grab whatever I told him was his, you can do the same thing. If anybody's told you any different, (laughs) this book says let it be true. Every man a liar. So if somebody told you, you're not good enough, this book says they're a liar. Not me. I didn't say it. If somebody says you're not entitled, this book says they're a liar. If they say you don't deserve it, or you're not righteous, or you're not good enough, 
This book, backed by everything in heaven, says you are. And that all you have to do is make a demand on something that was already owed you. Already set to your account. It's like walking into the bank and depositing money after money after money and going hungry. And somebody going up and going, well, what are you doing? Well, well, I don't have any money. Well, you put all that money in the bank and it's in your name. Well, yeah, but they don't give it to me. Well, did you ask for it? No, I figured they knew what I needed. And if they knew I needed it, they'd have sent it to me. So I'm just waiting. It's exactly the same thing with God. Heavenly store. Everything that's His is yours. It's what a joint heir is. Y'all know the story of the prodigal son, right? The younger brother asks for what's his. He goes out, squanders it, eats with the hogs until he realizes, wait a minute, (laughs) my dad takes a lot better care of his servants than what I'm being taken care of here. So he, he goes back to his father and says, I've sinned against you and against heaven. And I'm not worthy to be your son. But if you'd let me come and be a hired hand, and you know his dad didn't even let him finish the sentence. He said, grab some slippers. Grab the new robe, that, that real pretty one. Get us a ring. Let's put it on his hand. Because the son that I lost is found. And so everything that I have is at his disposal. And the part that most people don't talk about is the second brother who was upset. And wouldn't even come into the feast. Because he felt like he had done all of this great stuff. And yet his dad wouldn't even help him. He deposited money in that account. But he would never ask for it. And so he was offended at the brother because the brother asked. Well... He's upset and the dad has to come out of the banquet and say, what's wrong? And he's upset. Well, you never even killed the kid to make merry with me and my my friends. And he looks at him and he says, all that I have was yours. All you had to do was ask. You see, it's the same thing with God. He's waiting for you. And he's got treasures laid up for you that you could... It's going to take years for you to get your head wrapped around how good they are. All you got to do is say, Lord, I want that one. That red one that runs really fast. Yeah, that one's mine. I'd like to have it. You see, that's all you've got to do. We make it real difficult. 1 Corinthians 15 Verse 57 says, But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now go to 2 Corinthians 2. Verse 14 says, Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest the Savior of His knowledge 
by us in every place. The New Century Version on that part says, Who always leads us in victory through Christ. I like the the Bible in basic English. It says, But praise be to God who makes us strong to overcome in Christ and makes clear through us in every place the value of the knowledge of Him. And makes clear through us in every place the value of knowledge in Him. You see, that's the goodness of God. He makes clear in every place you go, when you know who you are, and you walk in the victory that Jesus paid for because He loves you, and you walk out that victory, and you triumph in every situation, everywhere you go, it makes it clear that they need to know the one that sent you. They need to know the one that paid the way. The knowledge of Jesus. They need to know it. And every time you walk into a place and the glory of God is on you and all your needs are met and you don't walk with a limp anymore, but you walk in bold and unashamed because you're a child of God and you have the victory over every situation, people notice. It's going to be clear to them something changed. This is the same person. It's like the man at the gate called Beautiful that they raised up. Everybody noticed. Well, isn't that that man? He's been sitting there for years. No, it just looks like him. That's surely not him. No, something changed. And everybody around him realized somebody came through that had authority, that had power that took charge, knew what their, what their abilities were through Christ. And everybody's life around about them changed at that moment. You see, you are victorious. You are an overcomer. It doesn't matter what the world throws at you. If it's coming too hard, your brother will step in and take the brunt of it. You see, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. And I don't know if you realize just what an impact in your life that can be. But if you grow up and your older brother fights everybody in the country and beats them up, and you come up under him and he says, don't mess with my brother. To everybody he ever beat up, there's nobody going to mess with you. Because it isn't about you having the ability to beat them up. It's about if they touch you, the brother comes in and takes over. So see, it's not about whether or not I have the the power. It's because I have the authority. You see, a, a policeman can stand in the road and wave his little light and stop multi ton vehicles, not because he has the power to grab the bumper and stop them but because somebody gave him the authority to step in the way of the road and say, stop, and it's backed by people who have that power. So Jesus gave you the authority. He said, use my name. And every time you use it, you'll triumph. Every time you use it, you'll have the victory. Every time you use my name and you ask the Father, He'll give it to you.
every time. All you have to do is step up and take the authority. God's job is the power. His job is to back it up with might, to back it up with the ability. You see, He can make you whole. He can set you apart. He can change everything in your life to make your life way better than you could ever dream. Tomorrow, you could have everything you have paid for, paid off, and enough money in the account to send every person in here on a missionary trip tomorrow. Money isn't a big deal to God. He has a lot of it. He made every part of you already. It would be like taking a person who has a body shop and they crafted this car out of fiberglass and steel and then walking up and scratching the paint on it and then going, oh, it's ruined. He'll never be able to fix it. It doesn't make sense. This person built this car with his own two hands, with his ability, and he made every piece of it, and it all worked perfectly. And for us to think that because the paint's chipped or cracked, it's done and he can't do it anymore, I can't fathom that. But yet day after day, the enemy tells us that because our back hurts... We might not get our healing because he may not know how to fix it now. (laughs) Or because we have a house payment that's due in two days, he may not know how to handle money anymore. He may not be able to get it to you. You see, the enemy wants you to stay defeated, but Jesus loved you enough to pay your way. That everything that happened in your life, it would say paid for. And you'd just be able to carry a little card off an account in heaven. And when you walk in, you swipe it, and heaven pays for it. Just like your credit card. God is good. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Would you all stand with me?